Okay. Three, two, one. Hi, everyone. This is Faye from Faye's World Media. I am really thrilled to be here with my new friend, Elena Matonono. Welcome, Elena. So good to have you here. Faye, thank you so much for inviting me. This is exciting. I enjoy meeting new people and particularly people that resonated with my work Mm -hmm. and uh, my story, my life, uh, part of my life anyway. So I'm really thrilled to be here. Yeah. I like when you mention part of your life because everything we do online could be, it just really is just a reflection, it's a slice of our life. And um, I will, you know, do kind of an informal introduction for those of you who haven't heard of Elena. I mm-hmm. hadn't as of a few weeks ago, but I had to reach out to her immediately uh, I mm. wanted to describe how I found your work. I was looking for a way to easily, more quickly delete my the Facebook groups that I have been running for years. And your article resonated on so many levels. I can't believe I read it quickly. And I remember just the way that you approached the issue about, I remember talking to your husband about like, oh, maybe I shouldn't give up. And mm. yeah, that's exactly how I felt. It's like, I nurtured this group, should be with me forever, no matter what. But I have transformed into you know, a different type of entrepreneur, different type of person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the group just, you know, you feel like it doesn't, not it doesn't serve you anymore, but in a way that I don't think I can really serve and or service the people in the group as much as I I, Mm -hmm. I could. So um, that's the reason. But before we get in there, um, everyone should go ahead and just check out Alana's website. It is, uh, it is just incredible. You can see the heart and soul that she put into her work. I binge and read the site for maybe... (sighs) three, four, five hours straight. I had the tab open. I couldn't close it. Um, She's a seasoned business coach who helped particularly online language teachers, but much beyond that, I think, Mm. you know, I've never taught languages for one day in my life um, to help people, online entrepreneurs going from the one-on-one lessons or one-on-one, you know, consulting gigs to Mm. creating a much better and smarter system that let them teach uh, their own terms and, and guarantees a stable income. And uh, Elena, you authored six books, the creator of several online courses, and uh, you're the host in the Smart Teachers Library community for online language teachers and coaches. You're also one of the organizers of the Online Teacher Summit, an annual online conference that brings together hundreds of online language teachers and coaches and inspire them to move towards working smarter. So there you go. Yes. Thank you, Faye. This was a Good introduction. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's dive right in. Mm. Uh, And I would love to find out your origin story for people to Mm. uh, realize it's 2022 as we're recording this. You've been writing blogging for a long time. What Mm. made you want to start that website? And what was the initial stage? Like the year one, month one looked like? Yeah. So I started out teaching online as a language teacher. as an experiment in 2008, um, I found a friend on social media that I hadn't seen in a while. And we happened to be living in different towns, still in Ukraine. I'm originally from Ukraine, currently have been living in the U.S. for 12 years. Um, I had come to the U.S. prior to get my degree, um, but I got married uh, 12 years ago and moved. So, yeah, so uh, she asked me if I could teach her English and I couldn't go back to the city. It was like, uh, it would be very inconvenient. So we decided to do that on Skype. 
And that's how it all started. And um, over time, I felt like, what, what would it be like if I had several clients like that? And um, it happened so that my job at a college where I taught folded. And so I got to try and do that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my what my business was like in the beginning. I started doing it full time when I moved to the U.S. in 2003 still in this experimental kind of phase I was still trying to figure out okay what's going to come out of it but that was the first time when I learned about online marketing because when you do not have word of mouth which is what I was using locally or even though I was working with people online I was still kind of there in the area I was in Ukraine but Mm -hmm. now that I was in the U.S. how could I do that And that's when all my journey started. I started uh, a YouTube channel and, you know, uh, LinkedIn and a lot of open everything possible. Uh, Social media was different at the time. Strategies were different at the time. And I continued teaching students for um, um, four years. Um, Mm -hmm. And it went uh, the hardest, the challenge, of course, with anybody who does online it just goes up and down, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's very unstable. And so I was trying to figure out how to do it more in a more stable way. And I would create an online course, of course, that's what they told us. And but then you still get to the point, it's like, okay, how do I sell this? Because I only Mm -hmm. have, you know, in my database, maybe I have 30 people that know me through online teaching. But other than that, how do I reach beyond that? So Mm -hmm. Um, in 2014, several events happened in Ukraine and Russia. And at that time, I had only worked with the Russian speaking audience. I only wrote in Russian. I did all of my marketing in Russian. And those events really prompted me to, um, because I had lost at the time, 95% of my clientele. So like, what am I going to do? So I decided that I will try and reach to the English speaking clientele, which um, was quite different. And that's how elenamotonono.com came to be. And um, that's when I realized, okay, I cannot teach everybody everything, which is what I had done for four years. I need to focus. I need to niche. Um, But even at that point, I couldn't choose. I wanted to still teach English. I did accent Mm -hmm. training for a few years, and I still wanted to do coaching for teachers. Uh, who wanted to go online. So, but that's when the blog started. And that's when I went into the English speaking space. What year was the, the, did you start the blog? 2014. 14. Oh, interesting. I think I, that's something I was going to mention because I started Phase World Podcast also in 2014. And that, wow, October uh, specifically. And then, and then as a result, it became a, a springboard for me to start my business. And right. in January, right. 2016, so our timeline sort of. Yes, yes, yes. There. That's true. That's true. Because I, uh, I started in at the end of 2014. Mm. That's when I also created an online, my first online course um, that uh, was in English. And it was scary to put myself out there as an English speaking non-native speaker in mm-hmm. the online language teaching world. That's like a big conundrum like oh do I use my own language my native language or do I use the target language as we call it and it's Mm -hmm. just really really um it was hard 
to see myself as uh, someone who can reach a global audience uh, by using English. I'm, I'm going to pause. There's so much to really break down there because there is a, I would say, a you know, really interesting, substantial uh, follower of mine who are um, like, for instance, of Asian descent, but really of all uh, kinds of ethnicities and backgrounds, and which makes me so interested in running this channel, frankly, right. Because, right? Like even, believe it or not, there are also um, Americans, North Americans who follow my work and thinking twice about their, you know, perhaps they have an accent, a regional accent, yeah. or they feel like they're just not good. I'm not a good writer. I never will be a good mm -hmm. writer. I, yeah. I have so much uh, inside of me, but I don't know how to express it, how to organize them. So um, I, I would like to break down the fear. And what do you remember if there's a certain moment, event, or or kind of a period of time where you realize, you know what, like I'm just going to put some work out there and mm -hmm. to um, to prove yourself wrong, maybe to a certain degree that maybe yeah. people are more supportive of your work than you yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, I had two niches. The first one mm -hmm. was accent training. And I thought, well, how good am I as an accent trainer? I am a non-native English speaker. What can I do? But I had substantial by then experience teaching non-native speakers how to speak English more clearly. So all of a sudden, I thought, okay, let's look at at my limitations but let's look at the things that I bring to the table and I realized that I um, as an accent trainer and non-native speaking mm -hmm. accent trainer at the time I could actually give people a completely different outlook on how they can master certain skills that they need for communication and from that perspective as I, I when I saw myself from that perspective I gained more confidence speaking mm -hmm. to uh, to the people, you know. So it was um, it was that kind of transformation. Start to look at not just your limitations, mm -hmm. but the things that you have that are unique that make you unique. And and I think the four years that I had done that I was uh, prior to that, I had been you know hustling and trying to see what worked really brought me to that point. Now, when working with teachers, I went to LinkedIn. And at the time, uh, groups were very popular. So <laughs> I would go to groups of online teachers or people that want to teach online. And I would read people's questions, and then I would answer them. So the same questions, what do I charge an hour? You know, which platforms do I use? Um, how do I teach this? Uh, how do I find more clients and so forth? So those were similar questions. And I would just write one answer after another. And the next um, day, I would have the same kind of question pop up in another group and another group. Mm -hmm. And so that prompted me to create a website. Um, what you see right now, which I'm sure we'll mm -hmm. get to that point, what you see right now is not what it looked like in the beginning. Right. <laughs> in the beginning, it looked um, uh, looked really shabby. Uh, but I, I had to learn it in one week and I had to write. And then once I put it out there and then I went to LinkedIn and I said, hey, you were asking about how to find new clients. I wrote a whole blog post about that and it's like mm -hmm. 2000 words um would you like to come and read it and people would go and read it and i felt like what i knew at the time 
mm-hmm. was more um, was more important for me. What I had to offer was more important than the the language and the limitations of my language. Interesting. If you know what I mean? So I I realized, okay, I think I have something mm-hmm. to offer, and it really doesn't matter that my website is not perfect and my my blogging is not ideal at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think I have something to say. That is so critical, Elena, for anybody who's watching right now or watching this later, just to know that the first iteration of your website, your blog, whatever it is that you're doing, even if you have done websites before, even if you have done courses in the Mm. past, you may feel a little more confident. You might nail it a little bit sooner, but the first iteration, second, or even the 10th iteration may may not be, probably will never be perfect, but the iteration part i noticed even recently after running my business for you know 7 years at this point mm. almost 8 years is that there's a it's really we can sometimes be quick to judge ourselves to say oh i got to know my avatar i got to know the persona mm. of my exact client otherwise i'm wasting my time but it really takes time for people to get to that point and which is right. what i love about your site cuz i can tell uh you really niche down so on, you know, I was sharing your website just a little bit earlier. I'm going to mm, pull it up sure. once again <laughs> as we're looking at this, right? Like I, I love the structure of it. And mm. so Lana, I would love to welcome you to talk to, did you ever had any hesitations or thoughts about, oh, I'm, I'm not going to just target online teachers. I'm going to start really broad and see yeah. who resonates with this. Or did you really start with teachers kind of just stick to this particular group? Yeah, or, well, initially it was online teachers i did not add the language part there um Mm -hmm. and which is an interesting element that i will talk more about but initially it was just online teachers and from my blog people could understand that this is me because i was talking about skype lessons and i was talking about the ideas that people were um wondering about like how do Mm -hmm. i bring more students and how do i do this and that and so yeah, I I created that. Um, but after a number of years, and it wasn't easy for me to reach out as much as there are so many online language teachers, mm-hmm. it was very hard somehow to reach them. And and I worked with a, a coach who suggested, well, like your advice is really helpful to people outside of online language teaching industry. Well, how about you just broaden it a little bit? Mm-hmm. And so I did. And then I started rewriting my blog posts where instead of one-to-one lessons, I put like one-to-one sessions or consultations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and I did get some people that were you know fitness coaches or life coaches or nutritionists one thing, and I think that I, I did give them quite a bit of my expertise that they could use. But I also started noticing that I was not being authentic. Like I wanted to own the fact that I am a language teacher, first of all, even mm-hmm. if now I no longer teach languages, I I coach online language teachers. I know this industry. I know mm-hmm. the struggles. I wanted to use the language that 
that my kind of corner of the world, the people mm -hmm. will be able to understand. And um, I wanted to communicate that in the most authentic way. And, you know, if you're familiar with Brene Brown, that's when I had mm -hmm. my little <laughs> breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I worked with another coach and she brought me back to the idea of what, what is it that you want to do? What, who is your ideal audience? And I was so scared of this whole idea of uh, putting that word language there, online language teachers. Why? Um, because I felt like I was going to immediately uh, reduce my chances of finding more people because I was thinking, I want yeah. more, but you don't really need more. You want the right people mm -hmm. and you want the people that kind of understand your language. And, uh, and so because I'm a language teacher and language learner, first and foremost, that created a really, really strong bone a bond after I put that word language in there, online language teacher. And um, yeah, that was, but it wasn't easy, you know, and I totally get like today when I work with online teachers and they will tell me oh you know it's so hard mm -hmm. for me to to narrow down I know what it feels like because I went through every stage of it um mm -hmm. so yes and uh what you see today is this um <laughs> website right mm -hmm. that is iteration number I don't even know maybe number eight or ten uh, mm -hmm. so what you see is obviously beautiful I no longer do uh, my own website in fact one of my first readers of that awful awful brown website that I had in the beginning she mm -hmm. was a, a language teacher but also a graphics designer and she loved my work and it helped her build her business and she read my first book that also did not look good at all mm -hmm. but she was the one that eventually I recruited and she was my first hire and she's been with me for the past six years Small and world, uh, right? she yes she is the one who helped me create um uh, the website that looks the way it looks right now isn't it interesting that many of us don't realize that we not only create content to attract a you know at the beginning a niche small audience but because you decided to narrow down now all of a sudden you go right to the core where people can contribute most to your endeavor that you see eye to eye, uh, your message, your work resonate uh, mm. with them. So yeah. like, this is one of my favorite sections here. I think <laughs> your graphic designer create the rabbit and the turtle. Like who? Um, actually, we hired uh, an illustrator. Um, okay. And she, uh, we lice, we uh, worked with her, and she created uh, the little turtle and the poor little hair, and <laughs> and um, uh, but the idea behind it initially was when we were redoing, revamping my website. I said I want something on my homepage that will not look like here's your business coach. Like I want some kind of a kind of wink to the people that will look at it and say, yeah, I get it. This is me. Or, oh, this is totally me. Um, and also to give that a little bit of a character and mm -hmm. to give it a bit of a story. And also, I mean, I wasn't thinking about all those points of branding and all that, but mm -hmm. I really liked, I wanted to bring in a tiny little story in there. 
And of course, everybody knows the turtle, the hair and, and the story behind it. And so I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to just bring it up? And then we hired uh, an illustrator who helped us bring it to um, the actual to life. And, and what has happened over the years is that now people write to me and they say, oh, I'm totally a hair. Like I, I looked at that picture and I saw yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. and I want to be the turtle and 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 people tell me like at the end of my newsletters I always write uh, turtling along with you and people will write to me I'm such a slow turtle but I'm moving along you know so that's so wow. amazing yeah so now we created a whole language and I cannot actually take it down <laughs> like I, I had a, a copywriter work on my homepage, and she was like yeah, you know, these images, they, I mean, she was, of course, looking strategically like, oh, people are scrolling too many times. But she says, but I know this is a part of your identity. We can't take it down. I said, nope, you cannot take the hair and the turtle down no more. <laughs> yeah, this is like, that's a, I know you talked about so casually, but whether I think for people who are watching, reviewing this, a visual identity really goes beyond just a logo. And yeah. You know, speaking of which, I think in the description below somewhere, I, I list you know Taylor Brands um, and a link for for you for anyone to create a logo very easily. We dwell on the logo, how we write our names, and what goes what where. Sometimes we end up with a logo that's so expensive and complicated, and it doesn't look good on a website, maybe in, on you know in prints only. But you created not just a visual indicator, but you created a language, a visual mm-hmm. language, which yeah. is so powerful. I look at this and I thought to myself, wow, this is, I'm getting better. I'm, you know, I'm definitely more on the turtle side now, but there's still a side of my business and very much so for the first few years of my business, Mm. I was standing in front of a zoom call way before zoom was popular from 8am to 6pm working through midnight. And I was proud of the money I was making, but then I realized what's the point of becoming an entrepreneur. If I'm completely tied to my desk, I don't get to do any of the fun things. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that was the story, too, because I lived through that story. And I was able to empathize with the the people that I, I work with today. They totally know the story. They 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 see what it's like, you know, when you're wearing your and the headset, of course, was a part of it. Yeah, because you teach a language, you, there's a headset and <laughs> And you're just there all the time. You cannot even take a bathroom break. You cannot, you know, eat. You eat in a hurry. You don't, or sometimes in front of the screen. And mm-hmm. you are just not, you don't belong to yourself. And that's, and then you wonder at some point, is that really freedom? Like when people told me that teaching online is going to be freedom forever. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually exhausting and really um, your health, uh, health was in, at risk. And so I just, I really figured out that, you know, there, there has to be something smarter. There's a smarter way to do that. Oh, this is so cool. I, I love it. And I want to uh, just break down a little bit more and we can talk about like site traffic and how you're able to grow it so tremendously. And um, quick question about the way you write. It resonated with mm-hmm. me. Of course, it might not resonate with everybody who's watching this right. ever and ever. That's okay. But how do you, um, do you, uh, in a way, how, what kind of what kind of state do you find yourself in when you want to write copy like this? Because to me, I feel mm. like you need to be able to really get in there. You need mm. to authentically, you know, feeling your way through writing and mm. kind of 
uninterrupted, disrupted, and or you know, not somebody else trying to like tell you, like mm. a language teacher or an expert or a guru is like, you mm. should write it this way or really mm. resonate. Mm-hmm. I think this really comes from within. So could you yeah. talk about that a bit? Yeah. So um, first of all, uh, there are different ways of writing. So I I write for a blog and that's one kind of state of mind. I also write on Instagram and that's a different, you know, challenge because mm-hmm. you write, it's a micro uh, writing, you write smaller stories, um, and you add the visual component to it. And then I also write books. So it's completely mm-hmm. different. For your copy for your website. Mm-hmm. One of the key elements, and by the way, what was written right now, this kind of language is something that uh, we co created with uh, a copy, uh, a copywriter. Um, Mm -hmm. But before that, of course, it it was my copy. But one of the things that Mm -hmm. she did, which I believe was was really helpful, is she took um, my client's feedback. And I have Mm -hmm. a very specific, it's an automated way. After I work with a client, I send them a form and then they give me feedback on what their reservations were or what their problems were initially and why they came to me and what I helped them achieve and so forth. And so she took however many I had, I think several dozens at the time, she analyzed all of them Mm -hmm. and she picked out the most commonly used phrases. Mm. So every single word and phrase here that Mm -hmm. You find, you know, unpredictable income, um, Mm -hmm. uh, crazy hours, uh, want to work less, enjoy freedom. And I will, I added creativity and peace of mind is actually how you feel when you work smarter, not harder. But that was all that she took from my feedback forms. That was the language. And then we put it together. Um, by presenting what the people's struggle is in the beginning um, mm-hmm. and and then saying, okay, here's how you can solve it. And then I created this smart kit, which is a, a downloadable 20-plus um, page, yes, um, which is we're actually now working on that, but <laughs> redoing that. But that is my... Uh, 20 plus page um, kind of ebook that mm-hmm. walks people through the process of how they can start working less right now if they're having too many, you know, five, six, seven hours teaching online a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually walk them through the process. I, I took the process that what would I ask myself? What would I do with uh, a one to one client if a person would sit down? in front of me and say, okay, can you just give me a consultation? What what should I do? Here's where I am. I am busy. I have no time to, you know, eat properly and I'm exhausted. How can I make more and still enjoy mm-hmm. my life? And so this is what the Smart Teachers Kit is all about, is where I break it down and teach people mm-hmm. how to teach online in different ways. And uh, yeah, so so that's the call to action. And then we put in the story. And the story was, of course, the the turtle and the hare and I wanted to show the the difference like uh, mm-hmm. what they tell you in copywriting you have to you know define the problem and then you know 
talk more about it. And so I, I instead of doing the the usual copywriting, you know, kind of define the problem problem and then agitate it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to create a story, like, okay, here's one thing, here's a hare, and here's a turtle. Where, what are you, and what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a turtle, here's a way. Here are some ways that you can be one. And then I share some solutions. That's so powerful to share a story. I think what you're also describing here, Elena, is there are there is not one way to do something like this. Whether it's a lead gen, your website copy, how you mm, run your yeah. Instagram channel, because. Um, I, you know, I follow several, you know, all fairly successful entrepreneur, you know, one person comes to mind is uh, Vanessa Lau, who has a, a system, you know, she speaks to a bigger kind of like all small business mm-hmm. people. She's quite young and her things are very s- systemized system, you know, systematic. And whereas mm-hmm. I find your work to be like very also just as effective, but it's soothing and funny and edgy to read, which frankly, number one, I didn't quite expect from language teachers. I, you know, I, English is my second language. So I've gone right. through like learning uh, English yeah. and since I was a little kid and, um, and really struggled quite a bit because I grew up in China, you know, going to regular mm-hmm. schools, not right. uh, bilingual right. schools. So you just kind of remember, then you forget and you remember again. And so the journey's always been there and language has been the serious and like very serious mm-hmm. yes, when I yes. learned, mm-hmm. oh, you make one grammar mistake, shut up. Like mm-hmm. end of the world, how could you do this? And sometimes that's the way to learn because, you you know, but these days, like I, I find your approach as it kind of uh, penetrates through your business, your approach is like, it's just fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's relaxing to read. It's like, it's okay if I, I want to take this action because I know it, it's okay not to get it right the first time. That's right. kind of the feeling. I think that's part mm-hmm. of your, your brand. Yeah. Yeah. Very welcoming. Yes. And I, I really, I, I had to, you know, work on my writing, obviously, and to make it more authentic. But one of the things that was really frustrating for me in the beginning, and probably why I was so passionate about doing my blog for online language teachers, is um, I, I felt like there was, well, in the online entrepreneurship world, everything seemed to be wonderful no issues like I just walk on the stage and this is amazing like I can do it and I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday and it was um, by a guy who was doing um, was learning languages and he was pretty much following these challenges and he said it's funny how like as a and he himself is a fitness trainer and a soccer coach and he says it's funny how uh, when you start playing soccer, nobody thinks that or expects that after two weeks, you're going to be, you know, playing for a national championship. You may never play for the national championship Great ever. Mm-hmm. But he said, here I am learning a language. And after several weeks, I'm so frustrated that I still cannot carry a conversation. Yeah. And I thought about that. And this is business, like yeah. online business. You start a business and then you expect in five months to have arrived. And, yeah. and I just kind of chuckled because that's, that's exactly the feeling that, that, that I, I had, I felt like when I went on online, everybody I heard was like a story of success. And here I am trying to figure things out. And it's so difficult. That's why I started writing. I was like, I don't care, I'm going to write about the fact that it's actually not so easy that there are things 
and that your first time is not going to be a successful time and <laughs> and your first idea is probably not going to bring you money um and what we hear mm-hmm. but what we hear is different like mm-hmm. we hear that people just had this wonderful idea they went into their garage they put something together and boom there's you know mm-hmm. iPhone 12 you know it's like wow this does not mm-hmm. happen this way but for some reason we feel like it and so in my writing, I give people permissions because I felt like I needed those when I started because I felt like in the beginning there was so much pressure mm-hmm. and um, it it wasn't until I just said to myself, I'm just going to do it the way I know how and I can and I will tell people that I can do it and hopefully there will be somebody else who will read it and say, wow, I can do it too because... Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to make six figures on my sixth month, a sixth month. Um, And there's no shame in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of shame when I was just starting out. And even to this day, there's a lot of like still expectations that you will never fail. Like once you start gaining traction, you get to a point like, wow, things are going well. And then Mm -hmm. boom. There's no business or like things slow down and all of a sudden you feel like a failure and it starts all over again. But to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to say that it's okay to have ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It, isn't that interesting? Oh, my goodness. I, I always get this high. I get this natural high when I talk to online entrepreneurs because exactly like you said, not only when you go from, you know, running the same business, which nobody's for anybody who's watching and starting, nobody's running the exact same business year after year. Uh, It's so um, kind of contrary to full-time jobs. I know people who had literally been that same position for 50 years and even then things change, but it's like every three to five years, every every decade or so. And um, the function doesn't really change as much. Whereas as an online entrepreneur, I see my six, seven years uh, doing what I do every year has kind of changed and transformed. And the most recent one, as I recall, is going from uh, consulting clients, working with a team, servicing a number of consulting clients to shifting to online learning, which is why like in my signature, instead of promoting all of just face world documentary podcasts, YouTube channels. Uh, now I'm promoting, promoting more of what I can enable you to do uh, by following right. these guides, right? These um, these documents, these the processes, the system, and it's scary because consulting clients per year I could be generating you know twenty thirty grand um, mm. from a single client. I just That's need a true, few yeah. to survive, a few more to service my team. But oh my goodness, as a when you have when you diversify your revenue, uh, yeah. if your online courses are not thousands of dollars a piece, but ten dollars, a hundred dollars, mm. it changes the game. So you might actually see a dip in your revenue, yeah. thinking that you have completely and utterly failed, but you're actually on your way to something, and that's yes. interesting. Yes. yes, and 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 really, I think giving yourself some space and also permission to say it's okay if if if. I don't generate enough revenue through my online course. I can take another client. Um, I don't have to talk about that on social media or like I can just write emails and get clients that I need and pay my bills. And um, I will still continue. And that will give me some space and some peace of mind to work on my online courses and figure out what, what is it that I need and maybe invest into maybe a better copy or to rewrite your 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 email sequence and whatever else needs to be done. 
and uh, maybe use the time to go and talk on other podcasts and write for other blogs so mm -hmm. that people know you and then they can hear about you from other people that they follow. So that's also like an important part of, of the puzzle that we neglect to mm -hmm. uh, even take into account because we always think that, okay, you know, now enough people know me and I don't need to, you know, get myself out there anymore. And mm -hmm. maybe it's enough, but then you get to a point where like, you've you've talked to the same people for a while like your growth has kind of been um steady and maybe even plummeted so you want to do something new and you realize okay if I go and if I start talking on other podcasts and other things mm -hmm. I may not be able to uh do as much work on my online course and that's okay and I can do this and I can do this so true but just it's I think we we want to create some kind of maybe there's a pressure. I don't know what you think, but I feel like there's a pressure to kind of find and show stability at a certain point. And so we feel like, okay, there has to we, we have to be sort of stable and secure, which of course is another illusion. And um and that keeps us from trying out new things and do things our way, which is why we're doing precisely what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, I agree a 110% that we need to give ourselves that space, that permission, and we don't hear about it uh, mm, from, yeah. from, from most people, right? Like, I think it's, we have the feeling that we have to present ourselves in a certain way to be mm -hmm. attractive and to attract clients. We have to be seen as a success in order for them to be successful. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, in my work uh, consulting through, you know, marketing, YouTube strategy, which is a, a core component of my business right now, helping small business owners. I love that phrase. Yeah. More so than creative entrepreneurs these days, we can talk about why. And mm. uh, right, just to kind of help uh, small businesses and some of the brands, some startups, um, a lot of the tech companies um, to understand like how, for instance, how they can market their products and services through YouTube strategy, creating this kind of evergreen system. Yeah. And that is so, that is really interesting. Just like you said, we can't just settle on, oh, this is working now. Let's not touch it. You know, like there's mm. a phrase of like, don't fix what's working or yeah. um, what's and, not broken or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't fix something that's not broken. <laughs> exactly. And I noticed like that, that's true to a certain degree. And then you're kind mm. of, and then you're in the red again, because um, you know, over the years, I designed Zoom timers, these digital products, and even YouTube ad revenues. At mm -hmm. the high point, it was, you know, $2,200, $2,500 during the pandemic, because my content back then was well suited for the, the niche or the needs of people in that yes. moment. Yes, at the time. At the time. And then the products stopped, you know, not stopped completely, but it went from, oh, 2500 uh, of, you know, for YouTube revenue, 1000 or $1,500 for these digital products that are like, so no work. I just mm. watched them sit there and it's so beautiful. It's like, oh, I'm all, I can sm smoke a cigar now. It's all good. But then the trends, you know, then there yes. are fewer yes. sales. The, the numbers are changing. And I was like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm like, I talked to my producer, Herman, I'm doing something wrong. Something is going, yes. you know, I, I have become less of a whatever entrepreneur. Mm. But then you look at Google Trends, it's like, oh, here's a trend of Zoom. Zoom is trending down. Virtual meetings mm. trending down as the, you know, the vaccines become available. Right, right, right. Going mm -hmm. out about, you're like, 
oh, this actually mm-hmm. not everything is about me. You know, right, right, right. Things in perspective. But it's yes, but it's it really does help see and put things into perspective to say, okay, things are slow now because of this, or mm-hmm. it's not like your fault. It's not like oh, now you're failing as an entrepreneur. But I think for me especially and once you hit a certain goal like mm-hmm. you were saying revenue goal and you're like wow i can i can generate this much while working this little that's great yeah. and then all of a sudden trends change yeah. and and then your income goes down all of a sudden you get hard on yourself like by now i should have been blah 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 well uh it's different now and now mm-hmm. you have to sort of rediscover yourself and find your new resilience and and um uh, find what what it's all about and go back to um seeing okay how can i serve the people better how can mm-hmm. i connect with the people again mm, yeah i mean this is so lovely i i i so appreciate those conversational and i i'm going to pivot just a little bit to talk yeah. about one of your blog articles that reveals something so so deep uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, in one article, you mentioned just the sheer number of blog articles, writing you've done, and even just the blog posts. But we all know mm. you also have uh, Instagram, which is different writing altogether, mm, and you yes. have your books. And um, while I was reading your website, I think either on your site or somewhere else, it's kind of like like it becomes a little bit of a hodgepodge here. But the message here is while you wait to hit that perfect article, while you wait for the viral video, whatever it is, yeah. that shortcut, you could have spent the past years writing the the articles yeah. that you needed to attract a variety of people uh, mm. coming to you through different reasons, different content. Um, so could you speak to that? Uh, maybe mm. a bit about, you know, I think there's a there's something that you mentioned for years, you didn't generate a penny no. from your blog post before it become became something yes. else. Yes, yes. And it's, it's so true that um, I mean, I like how Seth Godin puts it, like, before you get any um, idea that generates income or even is is a worthy idea, you need to produce a, a hundred of crappy ones. Well, we want to bypass the crappy ones because mm-hmm. when we don't want to be judged, mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to see seem like failures mm-hmm. and but that's the i think that's the requirement in a way it's kind of like a part of our job description when mm-hmm. we get into the online space uh the question always is is not well how can i avoid it but you will have it like and are you willing to be judged are you willing mm-hmm. to fail and and i think you know uh, i i can kind of guess your background but my background i come from very highly performance oriented culture like absolutely and i think our age is probably very close but at the time when i was born still soviet union there was a lot of this competitiveness in Mm. every single activity you went like you go to music school you have to be a beethoven like you you're not allowed to be anything less than that otherwise like forget it you go to an art school you better be a picasso you know you go to to a sports kind of activity it's like well is it worth it you can't do what you know the olympians are doing so there was always this um i'm exaggerating a little bit obviously but there's always this pressure uh Mm -hmm. whatever you do you have to be just 
the very absolutely best. Yeah. And uh, you do not, you're not allowed to just, you know, be and try things out. And with, and if you fail, that's like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go into the business world and you have such high resistance to failure and mm-hmm. the attachment of failure to your, to your worth that you feel like if, if, if I make a mistake, then, you know, what, what am I, um, that you avoid it. And because you avoid it, then you don't know what works. Right. So, so in the online entrepreneurial business world, the, the one thing you have to do almost at the offset is be willing to make as many mistakes as you can, Mm -hmm. uh, because then you will know what doesn't work. Uh, and you can actually find what works and, uh, you need to write so many crappy articles before you get one that may be viral or may never be viral. You may never be, be viral and that's okay because we, we cannot, uh, control what other people are going to say about our, um, content and about our work and about, we can't we can't control that but we can bring ourselves and we can say i can show up and so mm-hmm. people like for example seth godin really really changed my perspective right on that mm-hmm. and of course Brene brown and all on failure um, mm-hmm. and by saying if you want to have something good if you want to create something good you just need to be willing to look at stuff that is not as good and it's interesting because um when i took uh seth gordon's course on marketing uh a few years ago well i didn't know that that's a very yes, strong connection yes, I, yes, you know. yes you did too oh i i took elton ba i've been following his work for 20 years oh wow yeah, yeah i took i took his um uh, marketing seminar and mm-hmm. as a part of the program we all because i was in the u.s i received his book that was self-published and I couldn't believe this. Like I, I, I picked up this book, and it looked like one of my self-published books. You know, what, like you know the title. Yeah, uh, I think it was "Footsteps on the Moon." Something. Oh like yeah, that. with the astronaut. Um, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at it, and I was like, "This is totally a better version. <laughs> this is like something that he wrote." And he's like, "I'm just going to put it together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I may not get a publishing deal." And he is a best-selling author, but I treasured that book i still have that like i think it got uh some some rain while i got here to new orleans so it's got all these uh, like rippled pages but i love that book because it reminds me that here's the person who's been doing this work for 20 plus years Mm -hmm. and writing for 20 plus years and here's his self-published book and he also did Mm self-publish his books and it's okay yeah um and uh, and it doesn't look professional. It looks like nothing that you know you the book that he now writes that you can buy at you know your bookstore. Mm-hmm. But the ideas are just as revolutionary. The language is oh. just as impactful. It, yeah, that's so funny. I never knew. Like just now, I discovered you're part of the marketing seminar. I was part of that too after the L10 BA. Um, but I wasn't as participating as actively as I wanted right. to mm-hmm. as I was growing my business. But L10BA, I was all in. Um, I would love for you to share some numbers for people who are watching this don't quite mm. get 
um, your blog gets substantial amount of traffic and I know it changes, but do you mind sharing about how much monthly you get versus how many articles you've written? Mm. So I, I have, um, currently, I, I mean, I can pull the, this, um, um, yeah, my, my stats. Yes, because I, I I do look at them, and mm-hmm. uh, but I I do have to tell you mm-hmm. that I I don't my traffic is not as big as people uh, might think, and I think it kind of fluctuates. Mm-hmm. But I have about three to four hundred visitors a day. Yep, and oh, very similar. Yes. And, uh, and I have right now, I have not been writing as much. I've switched more to um, podcasting and whatever I write then turns into books. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was one of the reasons actually why I wanted to, you know, to to do that is so I can um, write more. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I got to a point with blogging where it was limiting me like Mm -hmm. I wanted to continue this conversation get deeper but man the 1500 cutoff was just a hundred word cutoff is is really hard so um I think I have about a hundred blog posts right now uh Mm -hmm. we two years ago I did a um revision and I cleaned them up so I have actually a a place where they are all stored and they all show me which blog post I have, what, mm-hmm. um, what I'm selling through that blog post yeah, and what kind of, you know, what, what is the, the lead magnet that I put there, which I only have one, but like to make sure that they're all clean and they're kind of uniform in, in them. But right now I'm using podcasts quite a bit and I just started uh, last year and mm. um, and I do seasons so I go from March to June and then from September from August I think mm-hmm. uh, to to December and um, so I've only posted six uh, 16 uh, podcast okay. episodes yes mm-hmm. and so far I think I'm very close to 5,000 downloads um, but that was just that's only been a year and that's for the entire time um yes. by the way you have traffic i just want to tease out one thing real quick mm-hmm. for for you to say that you have three to four hundred visits a day let's say that's roughly give mm-hmm. or take 10 yeah. to twelve thousand visits yes. a month mm-hmm. that is not nothing in fact that's much beyond <laughs> i thank you, you know, right now i don't have the statistical data but um i will be very interested in looking up on google that puts you in top percentile you know yes and, and i do know that I, I i do have google brings me google is my main yes. source of traffic on my website now so yes i i but i do know like i hear people say you know i have thousands of visitors every day like i you know i don't have that um but i i do want to focus and i am focusing on bringing in more um qualified traffic so i am uh, connecting with people like you and mm-hmm. others in similar industries where I talk about my work to see how that will impact um, my my traffic and the conversions, the signs up, the sign ups as well. 
Yeah, I think YouTube is something I know you have a YouTube channel. Yes, I haven't looked at it too closely. It may not have been optimized at this point. Mm, okay. you know, I know video content creation isn't necessarily like isn't isn't necessarily people's immediate go to. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, but for, it, it really I, I, I yeah. like that. And I'm glad that I connected with you because I will probably come to you uh, in the future. I do want to I do have some content there and it's mm -hmm. it's not optimized or anything i just used it in the very beginning of my business because i was at the time using everything possible <laughs> right, you didn't mention that. so yes and uh and then i just said i'm going to focus on one thing at a time so blogging mm -hmm. was really helpful for me especially when my kids were little and i could only write like i can i could not record stuff mm -hmm. because recording was too yeah, you know, my Ugh. noise levels. Yeah, and yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I could not do that. Um, so I did a little bit of video recording before my kids were born. And then after uh, they were born, I just would post workshops and tiny little things on there, but nothing really consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, but I focused more on my blog, which uh, later turned into book books which i really enjoy and now because both of my kids are at school i do podcasting mm. um and i'm learning more about that and i myself uh, have started listening to a number of podcasts and i which i really enjoy so that prompted me to do something like that as well mm. and uh, i can tell you that youtube is in the books for the future i don't for know sure. when and i already have some ideas so yeah so the fact that i have ideas it really tells me that I'm moving in that direction. And I really, really enjoy YouTube as well. That's awesome. I want to do a quick recap of people thinking that they need thousands of visit, even like if you think you need 10,000 visitors a month yes, onto your yes, website yes. Um, to, you know, to generate like multi six figures and all that, you may not need that much. You know, that's also mm -hmm. about where my traffic is, but I know plenty of businesses. Imagine like your per unit sale, whatever it is you're mm -hmm. doing, you're doing construction, 50, $100,000 per sale. You don't need that many people. And I think what also mm -hmm. uh, Elena uh, kind of, you know, pointed out is that quality traffic is key. So out of, you know, if you get, forget about 10,000 people, if you get yeah. 500 people and yeah. half of them are, you know, high quality and on average, most people don't know this, on average, the, the sale, you know, what, what is sort of the conversion rate for sale, not people visiting your website, all the way down the conversion on, on digital product sales, well under 1%. So yeah. that's why traffic does matter, but it's also relative in terms of context. Right. But, right. So I know that we have about just for a few minutes left. So I have to ask this question, knowing you have a podcast and you've experimented with YouTube blogging and now you're on the mm. podcast. I've been podcasting for seven years. I have my own theory and and, and te teaching when it comes to how to mm. monetize the podcast. Could you talk about like how you see podcasting as a way of generating revenue, bridging gaps mm. to your business where you're doing it for fun? You're not really yeah. having these uh, existing expectations to fulfill at this moment in time. Well, um, I uh, really am doing a podcasting for me as a way to create content so I can reach. First of all, I find a, a way to reach people that may not read my blog. So mm -hmm. uh, they're probably right now somewhere listening to podcasts and uh, they are looking and my podcast will come uh, in their search, come up in their search. And they are really curious about that. Um, one of the crucial things I think for podcasting more so than or before you even think about making revenue 
is to answer the question that we all need to answer. What change do you seek to make? Mm -hmm. And once you are clear on that change, that's not the question that you just sit there and like, okay, five minutes later, I've got my answer. No, I mean, it's years of work. Mm -hmm. um, and once you get to that clarity of what change do I seek to make, then you think about the content itself and the concept behind it. What do you want? Do you want... Do you mm -hmm. want solo episodes? Do you want uh, talking to other people? And if so, how will that be different from others? So you then you need to be familiar with your industry, your particular industry, and then see what other people are doing. But for me, in terms of monetizing, I just started um, mm -hmm. trying different things. Mm -hmm. um, so promoting, for example, my ongoing um, events or... Um, you know, talking about books, but I want to in this season or actually this year, see how I can capitalize more on the products that I already have and um, see how a podcast can help me sell uh, more of a, in a, in an organic way, but more mm -hmm. of a evergreen products that I have, as opposed to, Hey, I now have enrollment open for this because mm -hmm considering people may not be listening at the same time, um, what can I do and what can I offer? So I'm going to try this out and see how that works. So lovely. I'm so glad we get to touch base yeah. on this. Um, once again, uh, Lena, I'm so grateful that we connected because of Google, thanks to Google. Yay. And for us to work to resonate and for us to really be part of the same community of Seth Godin's once again. Um, but, you know, I, I really hope to stay in touch and I encourage people to comment on this video wherever you're watching this, LinkedIn, YouTube, after the fact. And uh, we'll be monitoring and get back to you. So, yes. Lena, with that said, I'm going to take us offline. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, <laughs> Bye everyone.